0: This is my chance to finally do some work that actually means something. It means
1: something to who? You had a career, Dad, before the third comic book movie, before people started to forget who was inside that bird costume. You were doing a play based on a book that was written 60 years ago for a thousand rich old white people whose only real concern is going to be where they go to have their cake and coffee when it's over. Nobody gives a shit but you. And let's. Face it, Dad. You are not doing this for the sake of art. You are doing this because you want to feel relevant again. Well, guess what? There is an entire world out there where people fight to be relevant every single day. And you act like it doesn't exist. Things are happening in a place that you ignore. A place that, by the way, has already forgotten about you. I mean, who the fuck are you? You hate bloggers. You mock Twitter. You don't even have a Facebook page. You're the one who doesn't exist. You're doing this because you're scared to death, like the rest of us, that you don't matter. And you know what? You're right. You don't.
0: Hello again, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where each week we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And my name
2: is Ian Woodington.
0: And before we we bring you Birdman and the start of our uh, two-week exploration of the work of Inuritu, we are going to uh, give you some banter, some recommends, as we do every episode. Uh Ian? What's on your mind, my friend? What do you What have you been seeing, listening to, watching? What's going on?
2: Well, I got I got a big one, oh. man. We got something. We got to deal with.
0: Oh shit!
2: Yeah. So I watched. Uh, I watched Promising Young. Uh, well, I bought oh. Promising Young Woman.
0: <laughs> you know, I even knew this was coming, and yet I forgot about it.
2: Because <laughs> uh, it's uh, as of this recording, it's now available to uh, to purchase on digital because uh let's let's face it, I'd rather pay 20 bucks and just own it rather than 20 bucks for a one-time rental because fuck that noise. I'll wait a month and a half and just own it. that's fine with me yeah and I'll, I'll start with i don't I don't regret buying it okay like in any way shape or form it is like 97 percent a really great movie, okay yeah and then like three percent super fucking Hollywood. And it took the easy way out. Like I don't wanna obviously this movie is so new yep. and there's so much hype and so much buzz around it. I'm not gonna be that guy and spoil it. I mean, you and I will have to continue this conversation off mic. Well, what we, I will say,
0: can, say, yeah, let's speak let's speak vaguely about it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean we can go spoilery and you can decide whether no, to keep it or cut it. No no, no. But we
0: can, we can, we can have it we'll be we'll be we'll be like little gossipers and we just we'll just be very yeah, yeah. very secretive about what we're talking
2: about. Yeah, we'll 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 dance around it. Um so Right, straight off the bat, direction, cinematography, perfect, fantastic. I'm very excited about uh, is it Emerald Fennel? Yes, Yep. I, I'm very excited about her as a director. Uh, where she's gonna go next? I can't wait. Whatever she's got up her sleeve next, I'll I'll be there day one. Cannot wait. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Mulligan, what a performance! Holy shit, that's a that. There are some choices in that performance. Let me tell you. Uh, love the supporting cast. Bo Burnham. I'm kind of new to him. I don't really know a ton about him. I don't. He's he started as a stand up, didn't he?
0: Oh yeah. Have you not? Have you not watched any of his? I've.
2: I've not seen any of Bo Burnham stand up.
0: Oh, man, you got to do it. Yeah, I know. I know. got to do it. It's
2: definitely on my list now. Um, I love seeing Jennifer Coolidge and Clancy Brown. Like, whenever I see them in a movie, I get excited. So to see them together yeah. is great. I, that, that's another complaint. Not enough of them. Sure. Because yeah, Cla- Clancy, Clancy Brown has a really great scene. With with uh, Carrie Mulligan in like the last third of the movie, that yeah. just really he has a line that like splits me open.
0: It, it's it's after the date, isn't it? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It's it's really good. It's oh, it's really good. Um, so the end of this movie again. I'm, I don't. If you're listening, don't worry. I'm not going to ruin the end of the movie for you. For sure. Uh, but there's there's something that we as as men really need to talk about when it comes to this issue of of the treatment of women, let's just face it throughout the centuries, and that is is accountability,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and especially the idea of we. It, it's important for us as men to be held accountable, but what I think is is just as important is holding each other accountable. Absolutely, and the the movie. The movie just fucking swings for it with that ending. And I think I think it takes the soft option. I think it takes the very Hollywood ending. There's there's a certain sense of how much how much disbelief do I have to suspend? Um and I, I think there's an opportunity for a much more impactful ending. I think there's an opportunity for a more ambiguous, more thoughtful ending. Rather than than the soft sort of revenge ending that it has, obviously there's a, there's a sort of sense of okay, so there is a there is a victory of sorts, but at what cost? Which is, which is great. I love endings like that. But there was a chance for there was a chance for uh, uh, I don't know a, an ending which spoke to, like I said, a certain social accountability that it misses. I know I can't. I want to say more, but no, I can't and, say more and, without I know, being I, spoilery. I,
0: and I won't. I won't. I won't say much more beyond that. But but to say that the ending that we got, and I I, I, I understand what you're saying, but disagree with the mindset. If if only because I feel like what you're unfortunately. I'd say the the ending doesn't feel like a Hollywood ending to me. It feels like the ending that we would get in a movie like this based on how the world works today. Like if justice was justice, we wouldn't get the ending that we got. Do you know what I mean? But but right, unfortunately right. it doesn't it it doesn't work that way. Um and because of that, I think that's why I I view the ending as as like Chef's kiss is because it it's almost throwing it back on our face the way that the system works does that make any sense i don't i don't I-
2: no no it absolutely it absolutely does and i i just think i i i really wanted something more ambiguous, something that left you thinking and, and and don't get me wrong, I'm sure this this the end of this movie is gonna leave a lot of people reeling and it's gonna generate a lot of talk as yeah. as it should, but there's listened, a chance for there's so a chance for this. something more. Yeah. There's I don't know. And that's okay, so that's not the story they wanted to tell. That's fine. I get that. But if you really wanted to put just a real punctuation mark punctuation mark at the end of this film you you could have done something more ambiguous and and here's here's where i say that it's it's got a, a hollywood ending let me the alfred molina character
0: yeah
2: you have to call him a deus ex machina
0: now i don't do you, are you talking about when we first meet him or what happened no later no
2: no because they they set him up fine
0: yeah so you mean what happens- but there is
2: yeah yeah there is there is a there is a it's not on the nose but there's a hint of deus ex machina about his character I I,
0: I I there's a a yes and a no to that but again it's like talking in such vagaries it's like i don't even know what i can say um this really does feel like like we could do like like a like a special bonus episode like maybe after like a mu- maybe like in another month or two we'll do like a bonus short where we just talk about this for like 20 minutes because there's so much because I've listened to I've listened to other people talk about this. Like this has been I've seeked out podcasts that are talking about it with people that I kind of respect who are kind of in the industry, and I like I'll find myself like yelling in agreement or yelling in frustration and like, and and I've only seen it once and I think the other thing I need to do again as well is watch it again because they bring up points and I'm like wait that's not really how that was was it? Because in my mind I I can see it one way but. I don't. I don't know, but I, I would give this movie. I would easily give this movie another rewatch in the next couple of months and do like a special on it because, I think, if if for no other reason, like take take the performances and the actual filmmaking aside, subject matter wise, you, you put it all together, this movie deserves, I think, a a, a a a deep conversation.
2: Yeah, and I'm I'm all for this thing winning. I don't know if it's gonna be nominated for original screenplay, but I I really hope it is.
0: I think it will be. I think it, I would say it's it's a kind of a top top tier contender for it right now. Absolutely. So I you know I I basically spent the week, yeah, most of the week for for better or worse, trying to watch. I I didn't know I was like because I I usually try to watch stuff from the director, but since next week we're doing our interview to deep dive. I obviously I didn't do that. So um, I focused instead on films from 2014, which made me just chuckle so much when you said, we got to talk about the 2014 Oscars, which we will do in a little bit when we get to the movie. Um, and I'm not going to talk about uh nightcrawler, which I did rewatch, which I did send you a, a screenshot of uh, because you've already used that as a recommend. Um, oh, cause it's a perfect fucking movie well, yeah. in every way. So, um, Uh, I I don't want to get to my recommend yet, but I I am going to talk to you about one other film from 2014 that we watched this week. What are your thoughts? What do you remember about American Sniper?
2: Oh, man, I've seen it. I saw it in theaters and I bought it and then it just it's sitting in the shrink wrap like I haven't
0: gone back. It's a it's a one and done. So so I, I pulled out a bunch of options and I, I do this every week. Every Sunday night, I kind of look at the week ahead. What's coming up on the pod? What's what's what, what's what are some things that I've I've been interested in watching and I pull them out. And one night of those of of the week, you know, Melissa will look at it and go, "Oh, I want to watch this." Like she'll look at the stack and she'll go, "I get to pick one night and this is what we're watching." I'm like, "Yeah, of course, great." And so she picked American Sniper. And so we we rewatched it. And it's one of those really interesting things where I think it's really well made. I think I think the acting in it is – I think it's good. I really do – I think it's one of Bradley Cooper's two or three best performances. I really like him as the role. Um, Sienna Miller doing something kind of completely different. I like her in it as well. But this time around, I was so much more cognizant of what what – actually or could have actually happened and what in no way shape or form actually took place and uh, I'm talking specifically there's a moment towards towards the end before he's before Chris Kyle the, uh, the the real person that sort of left the army where he's in this like pretty big like firefight this big gunfight that all these all these other um, Navy seals have to have to get away and he like just happens to call he calls his wife to say that he loves her he says he calls her to say i'm ready to come home and and it's it's one of those moments where you watch it and 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 beforehand I, i don't think i clocked this but watching it a second time i was going wow that didn't fucking happen in real life there is no way you are about you are like in the middle of gunfire basically getting ready to flee for your life and you stop and call your wife now i understand why that works dramatically this is something that we've been building to where she keeps telling him to, to quit, to leave. You've done your, you've done your duty. And he's like, no, I can't. And we, so he does it, but it just feels so like so much, too much. And, and it sucks because the movie, I think overall works pretty well. I think it tells, it tells the story it wants to Clint Eastwood is very, it's a very Clint Eastwood movie, right? The strong, silent type doing what he needs to do to get by. But there's so many of these moments where you're watching this and you go, "There is no fucking way that is how it happened." And it takes this real person, this real guy, who lived and died, and it it just it it it's sugary. It sugar. It, that's not even a word. I say it sugarifies it. It whatever. It it sweetens his life too much. Do you know what I mean? Like it makes it too unrealistic.
2: Oh no, I I I definitely see that. I just. That movie is just overwhelming in in some of the wrong ways, especially the ways in which you bring up. It's so fucking Hollywood, gung-ho, flag-waving. I just, I fucking can't with that shit, man. And not and to say like, that, that there's some, there are, of course there are moments that are extremely powerful. I mean, yeah. seeing, that, seeing that kid get his fucking head blown off, I mean, that's... I mean, that, I mean, it is a powerful moment, but when you sit and you examine it, is it exploitative is it is it necessary I don't I don't know
0: and it's it's you know and and again I I know that there's a there's a memoir slash biography on Chris Kyle and maybe maybe that event maybe that event took place I don't I don't know I I can't speak to certainty with that but in terms of the filmmaking in terms of the story that they're trying to tell it I, I mean it does show the like the horrors of war and you know the the choices that one has to make, and ultimately, I mean, if you look at it from uh, uh, protecting the U.S. troops side of things, that absolutely was the right decision because it was a, it was a grenade that they had, and and that happened. Um, but I don't know. I I it the first time I watched it when it came out, Oscar you know Oscar contender a year, and, and I'm watching all these movies. I I had a higher thought of it, and it upon rewatch it fell like. It it felt pretty much a lot in my estimation after watching it a second time, Um, which thank thank God this isn't my recommend or else I'd be like, what the fuck am I doing? But like you know, a platform to say like you know I wanted to watch other things from this year, another best picture nominee, and uh, yeah, just not really not really my cup of tea.
2: I think I think the question is, has Eastwood made a good movie since Invictus?
0: Gran Torino was before that, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it's, it's, that's 08, Invictus is 09, Hereafter yeah. is 2010, then I think it's J. Edgar, Ooh. which J. Edgar is not good.
0: I, didn't he? He did something else, right? I don't know. He's He's done a lot of shit. I mean that uh, shit is bad got, stuff. He's
2: got he's got he's got the musical. He did the Jersey Boys. I
0: can't I can't with Jersey Boys. There's no that's you you've no. got
2: fifth the fifteen seventeen to Paris is just fucking awful.
0: I now I I never saw that so I don't I don't have a.
2: I mean I guess the meal was okay.
0: Yeah, I didn't see that either.
2: And then you've got uh, the 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 Richard Jewell, which there's like half a good movie in there.
0: see. See, I I heard good things about that, but. Yeah. I don't know. Sully was the one after American sniper. Oh,
2: sorry. Yeah. There you go. Sully. All right. So Sully is like the blip in, in the 2010s. All
0: right. Well, anyway, so that's, that's my, that's my weird tangent on American sniper. I don't, I don't, again, I can't, I'm not going to talk Nightcrawler. We, we, that was your recommend way back when, and, uh, and we've, I know we could, we could certainly talk it up some more. It's, it's not my, it's not my banter. It's not my recommend. Cause I'm not going to, I'm not going to steal from you, but Oh, That's all
2: right. I we'll we'll get there when we talk awards for for Birdman. Uh, I've got I've got just one more movie. again, it's really really new. Yeah. Uh, it it could serve as my recommend, but there's also something else that I saw this week that I really want to talk to you about. But just to pay a little bit of lip service to uh, a newer movie, which uh, again is available to rent or buy on most of the premium streaming platforms, is uh, Supernova. Yeah, I've heard of this. How is it? Oh, it's amazing. Okay. Just, just buy it. Just do it. Just okay. go the distance with this thing. It's, it's Colin Firth, Stanley Tucci, who are neighbors and best friends in real life, which you definitely do feel informs their performance. I guess they had been looking to do something together for a while. Uh, Tucci got this script. And I guess originally uh, they had the opposite parts, and I, uh, right before they started filming, they, they switched, uh, which I think definitely, I, I couldn't see it the other way. So I'm, I'm definitely glad they did. So you've got um, Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci. They play uh, a couple who have been together for, for quite some time. The Stanley Tucci character is a writer who has, over the course of the film, we learn he has dementia. And they're taking this road trip in their R- RV. Um, I believe they're going up north. I don't know if they're going north or south in England, but they're, go- they're going somewhere uh, in England. And they stop off and they, they see uh, Colin Firth's relatives. They're on the way to... Uh, Colin Firth plays a pianist he hasn't done a concert in a while so the the end of this trip will be him performing for the first time in a while because he's he's stopped to take care of Tucci's character and it is just the the perform it may be the best thing Colin Firth has ever done I mean he is heartbreakingly good in it as obviously a Stanley Tucci because he's just great in everything he does which is n- yeah. which is not to try and take anything away from this performance. I mean, he's just fucking great. I just saw Big Night for the first time recently, and that's a hell that. that's a hell of a great movie. He co-directed that uh, with a guy named Campbell Scott, and it's also got um, uh, who else is in that? Oh, Tony Shalhoub. They play brothers who own this restaurant. Okay. It's right. about this 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 uh, this famous food critic who's going to come to their restaurant so the whole thing is like this anticipation and getting the restaurant ready. it's really both of those are really good but supernova it's shot beautifully it's only the second feature for this guy named harry mcqueen i mean i just i can't wait for you to see it so we can talk about it
0: uh yeah it's i it's i'm i'm waiting officially for a lot of movies to get their their oscar buzz and i'm expecting it for supernova which I, i i it's on my radar but um Just kind of wait, just waiting a little bit longer like that. Oh, I don't want to say the next one because it might be a recommend, but there's a few. There's like two or three movies. I'm just just slightly pushing off watching until I kind of get my like, ah, there you go. And then I
2: I would be very surprised. I think Supernova, unfortunately, is flying sort of under the radar. I'd be very surprised if there was awards attention for unless you're hearing or read something that I haven't.
0: Is it? I I th- I've been looking at. I I thought I read. Is it either either Tucci or Firth for supporting actor? I've been seeing. Oh really? Okay. But see, I would go
2: if you're gonna do act. I mean, Firth is supporting, and, and Tucci would be lead. Okay, so then for, it was in, in 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 my mind.
0: Well, uh, so I I I haven't looked at it in a few days, but there was one of one of those two names for the movie I've seen yeah. kind of pop up. I mean, maybe not, but.
2: Oh man, if if Firth got a supporting nod for this, I'd be over the moon.
0: Well, I don't. We'll see. It, it,
2: it, it genuinely thing. is. I can't, I mean, he's done so many good things, but this is, I, I, I'm I going to just stand by it. I'm going to swing for it with this comment. It's the best thing he's ever
0: done. Well, there you go. There you go. All right, well, I'm going to hop over to my recommend now, um, which is another 2014 film. And um, this was not a movie that was up for best picture that year. However, it was up for best supporting actor. Best actor and best director. It is a slow burn, and I and I rewatched it, and it it was honestly I found it just as riveting as it did the first time I watched it. And I am talking about the last film that we got from Bennett Miller, and that is Foxcatcher.
2: Man, I really I really need to rewatch this because I walked out of Foxcatcher extremely underwhelmed.
0: Oh man. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, Fox Catcher is about uh, it's it's a it's a based on a true story film um, about uh, the the Schultz brothers, Mark and Dave Schultz, who were wrestlers. Um, so Mark Ruffalo plays Dave Schultz and Channing Tatum plays Mark Schultz. And um, they're both Olympic gold winning wrestlers. But um, it seems like. Dave Schultz, the Mark Ruffalo character, certainly has his head about him more. He has a family, he has a wife, he's got like some coaching jobs lined up and Channing Tatum, the Mark character seems to be really lost with what he wants to do. I mean, they're still they're actively training and and it looks like uh, Mark could could win another gold in the Olympics so he's training, training, training and then Steve Carell plays John DuPont of the DuPont family um, who is a, a very interesting character and essentially uh, DuPont wants to uh train and fund uh the the, basically the u.s wrestling team to get ready for gold and essentially it's about uh the relationship between all of these like like john depont sort of took taking mark under his wing and trying to get dave to come teach and it it turns into this really weird triangle of depont feeling like threatened by dave because dave comes in and and uh, Mark starts to really kind of start to like John. It's, it's. I don't. If you haven't seen it, I really. I want to be skeptical about what happens because it plays really slow. It's a very slow burn, and lots of just, lots of just conversations. But I, I again, the actor in me, the the, the the uh, the, the, the the person who likes people talking, uh, in me. Love just loves the 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 scenes where people can just sit and talk, and I think I I mean, I think other people thought it was some of some kind of a caricature. I love Steve Carell in this. I think he's. I actually think Carell and Tatum and Mark Ruffalo all give like top three, top five performances. I think they're all really well cast, Um, and you even get Vanessa Redgrave in in there for like a couple of scenes, just killing it as as um, John Dupont's mother. And there's just there was just something about watching Channing Tatum try so hard to like make it and be something and, and kind of living in the shadow of his brother and then living in the shadow of this, of this millionaire. And, you know, it, it really takes a turn. And for anybody who's curious, there's a Netflix documentary called team Fox catcher, which um, is about the real life events of what happened. And I, I will, I know it's based on a true life thing. And this, this was, this was newsworthy when it came out, but I, I still want to be vague about it in case, in case you haven't seen it. But the ending really does feel unexpected and kind of come out of nowhere, and it, it's it's kind of heartbreaking. And I think everybody is phenomenal in it. And I, Bennett Miller has done what three things: Capote and Moneyball and this.
2: Yeah, which I mean, like I said, I was underwhelmed by Foxcatcher, but if that's the only three movies you've done, that's a pretty fucking good run.
0: And I just there's just something about it. I mean, it's 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 a sports film, but it's also not and. I think I, I just think everybody's top notch. I think the, the directing is really it's I think it's great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I rewatched it and I was like I, I, I had the thought I go, is this going to keep my attention? Is this going to keep me as interested as I was when I first watched it? And the the answer was yes. And I, I was really on board the whole time. Uh, so I can't talk about Nightcrawler, but but and not by default, but uh, but really a strong recommend for me is Foxcatcher.
2: Yeah, no, I I will definitely make sure to queue it up and revisit it. I don't know what it was, man. There was something about this movie when I walked out of it. I was like, "Why why was I expecting more?" or something or something else. I don't know, but I I have to agree. It's it's hard to imagine Channing Tatum ever doing better than he did in that.
0: He, he's he's really good and I the the the, what I will say is actually I think Steve Carell gets all of the the attention because of what he did as that character and, and the prosthetic work and how he moved. But honestly, watch Channing Tatum and watch Mark Ruffalo and the way that they hold themselves and walk through the space. I mean, I would honestly believe that they were wrestlers because of the way that they present themselves. Not not like I know Channing Tatum has a couple of wrestling scenes in the movie but like take that aside the way that they carry themselves the way that they just are it just screams wrestler to me it's it's so clear that they did the work they did the research and it's a very detailed movie as well and i just dude i (laughs) this is this is just my kind of movie i really fucking love this we talked about steve jobs and danny boyle a few weeks ago and for me this is another kind of like let them fucking say the words and and do it and it, it just works for me it's it's Spoon fed for me.
2: Well, I'll do it, man. I'll I'll give it a I'll give it another shot.
0: Well, um, I want you to take your shot now, and I want you to give me your recommend. What do you got?
2: Uh, Liz and I stumbled across. Well, I I guess I took a chance. It's another one of my little five dollar buys. Just pick pick it up. Take a chance. Uh, the Station Agents from two thousand three with Peter Dinklage, Patricia Clarkson, and Bobby Cannavale. As as your three leads, and it's directed by by Tom McCarthy, who would go on to direct uh, *Spotlight*. Had it, I took a look. He had an interesting career, some really some really good minor roles in big movies like Siriana. Uh He he did unfortunately direct *The Cobbler*, which I haven't seen, but I've heard is a very tone deaf film from the Adam Sandler camp.
0: Well, you, you know, I feel like most people will know him from *The Wire*.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh but the station agent, uh, Peter Dinklage plays uh, a guy. Uh his his best and probably only friend is a guy that he works for in this hobby store, specifically model trains, and they're part of this uh a little throwback to a couple of weeks ago, they're part of this train spotting society. They have uh, little they show films uh after hours in their in their shop, guys who who chase trains. Uh the, the guy that he works for dies, doesn't leave him the shop, but does leave him a small depot uh, out in the middle of nowhere in New Jersey, and it's it's falling apart and, and in disrepair. And he goes out there. There's there's no running water, no electricity, no heat, no nothing. But he decides that he's going to live there, maybe fix it up. The first person he meets is Bobby Cannavale as this guy who's running his dad's uh, little coffee truck and let me tell you man every time I see Bobby cannavale in a movie I, I, I perk up I get a little excited and this was this was no different with this movie his there's a, a sweetness in his sort of buffoonery and lack of awareness there's a but it's not it's it's very earnest and that's something that yeah. I've found in in everything that he does there's a that's the word that I kept coming back to there is an earnestness in him. I love him. I I gotta see more of his shit. I think he's fucking spectacular.
0: You know, he's a big, he, or he. I mean, he probably was not so much anymore, but he he was a big stage actor. He did a lot of theater.
2: Oh, was he? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, his. I guess it was his big break on Boardwalk Empire. Was that kind of like where he, or was he, I, I or had he already hit before that?
0: He'd been in. He'd been in things before, you know. But but I think in terms of of what a lot of people would have seen him from, it was probably. Probably Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he did a lot of, lot of good theater before then. And uh, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah I, I just love him. I'm head over heels in love with him. Um, <laughs> and then Patricia Clarkson, she plays this woman who's separated from her husband, uh, who people would recognize her husband. Has, he's only got a couple scenes. Uh, John Slattery.
0: Oh, God. John yeah, Slattery is great. I love him.
2: He's great. He
0: He's another theater dude
2: yeah 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 uh he, he also directed uh one of philip Seymour hoffman's last movies which i love god's pocket if you haven't seen that there's another under the radar indie flick actually from 2014 that you should see and if you pe- haven't
0: and people will know john slattery from mad men
2: yeah uh, so the patricia clarkson character as i said separated from her husband she's an artist uh her son their very young son has just died within the last two years, um, and so you you watch these three characters sort of form this weird little unit, and it's just this slice of life. They start getting into the the train spotting with him, and Dinklage is a guy who is, I mean, he's he's a dwarf. He's 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 very aware of his dwarfism. He's very guarded. He's very reserved. Um, but it 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 does it isn't none of it is sort of played. As it's it's not played as like oh look at him look at this little person it's it's all played very respectfully I think mm-hmm. and yeah. and very realistic it's, it's it's definitely a realistic depiction of what life must be like to be a little person in a in a bigger world I'm not trying to be condescending when I say that I mean I, I don't I mean I I imagine it must be a struggle and I don't want to take anything away from that and I think Peter Dinklage plays it very very well he is man he is so good. I got again. He's another guy. I got to watch more of his shit that isn't Game of Thrones because I don't give a shit about that show. Yeah, I well, tried. You man. Know, I I did. I really tried, but fuck no, no, that I show. Don't,
0: I don't blame you. Have you seen? Have you? Do you have any interest in watching that new the new Netflix thing? Uh, I care a lot. Have you? Have you seen anything about it? No, I
2: haven't. I haven't watched that. I, it's on my it's on my radar. Hopefully, I'll try and squeeze it in this weekend or next.
0: I I think we're gonna. I mean, I've heard a lot of mixed things, but. I also like the idea of him playing a heavy like I'm just I mean yeah. that just seems I I like Rosman Pike I like Peter Dinklage I, I it looks kind of quirky and, and interesting and I it, it I don't know I, I've heard a lot of I've heard mostly negative things but I'm I'm curious I I'm I want to watch it
2: yeah no I'm definitely excited to see him play a gangster and of course I mean we talked about him a lot on our uh three billboards episode how good he is in that
0: Fucking A right we did.
2: But yeah, station agent man, uh, you gotta see it. It's this tiny little I, indie flick.
0: I've heard of it. Yeah. D- I it it's it's so that you said it, I'm like, oh my god, that's that's an older one. That's been out for a while now. Yeah.
2: Just just blind by this thing. There's no way I would I would be very surprised if you did not like this movie.
0: Well, I will have to cue that up as well.
2: Yeah, and um, I was I mean genuine belly laughs from me. I mean it is <laughs> <laughs> extremely funny and uh well, the, the, the I, I first agree. the first time that that uh dinklage and patricia clarkson meets i use the term meet very loosely uh, there's a couple of great scenes and and dinklage is just knocking it out of the park
0: well i will I'll, i will have to look that up i'm i'm excited um so there you go so we got station agent and um and fox catcher for you this week Um, And as we're like over 30 minutes into this podcast already, let us hard pivot over to Birdman or the unexpected virtue of ignorance. Can we Uh, before you
2: can we just (laughs) drop that subtitle? I fucking hate that subtitle. It's so pretentious.
0: Well, I I can already tell where this conversation is going to go. No, 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 you can't (laughs) stop it. So this was... Directed by Alejandro uh, Iñárritu, And we will talk more about him next week as we delve deeper into his filmography. Uh, it was written by him and Nico Gia Cabone, Alexander Danilaris Jr., and Armando Bo. Let's talk about the cast. Michael Keaton stars as Riggin. And then around him, we have Zach Galifianakis as Jake, his lawyer slash friend slash agent slash producer. Uh, we have Edward Norton play, playing Mike Shiner. He is the replacement actor. Andrea Riceboro as Laura and um, uh, Naomi Watts as Leslie. They are also in the play that they are doing throughout the show. Amy Ryan plays Sylvia. That is Riggins' ex-wife. Emma Stone plays Sam. That is his daughter. And... The only other person I was going to shout out by name uh, right here is Lindsay Duncan, who plays Tabitha, who is the uh, the critic in the film, although I'm sure there are many other people that you could shout out, and this is where I give you a segment to do that. Uh, Bill Camp as the, the crazy guy outside
2: the convenience yeah. store quoting uh, Macbeth, Mac- I think, Macbeth. if I remember right. Yep. Signifying tomorrow tomorrow. nothing. Yep. Um, yep. I love Bill Camp. He's another one of these guys. Like When I see him in a movie, when he popped up in Molly's game, like I perked up, man. I was like, "That's fucking
0: Bill Camp," and now I'm back in this movie. Well, and there are a lot of theater people uh, sprinkled out throughout this movie. Um, so this was out. This came out in 2014. Um, uh, Inuritu doesn't have any other films in the book, but we will talk much more about his films next week as we as we approach his the definitive ranking of his work.
2: Uh, for the record, Morris Peros and The Revenant were both uh, in the book at one point.
0: Yes, that is that is correct. Um, so, accolades. Here we go. Oh, this uh, dude.
2: This is a big one.
0: So, here we go. I'm going to say, okay, well, uh, <laughs> here we go. Accolades. At the Academy Awards, it won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and best cinematography it was also nominated for best actor which uh uh, uh, keaton lost to eddie redmayne for the theory of everything it lost supporting actor uh, which was for edward norton to jk simmons for whiplash it lost supporting actress which was emma stone to um patricia arquette for boyhood and it lost sound mixing to whiplash and it lost um uh sound effects to american sniper okay 2014 Academy Awards. What a shit show. <laughs> okay, and this is and this is where I'll go expand.
2: Uh, well, firstly, sidebar: How bad? Do, have you gone back and watched the footage of when Best Actor was announced, and how bad do you feel for Keaton, who was so sure that he had it that he started to stand up and take his speech out of his pocket?
0: Um, I, I, I don't. I didn't rewatch that, that footage. Um, I
2: I mean, it was a blink and you miss it moment, but he was, he was,
0: he was getting out of his chair. I mean, I it, it, it sucks because uh, the theory of everything is a garbage movie. It is not a good movie. I, okay. I don't think
2: it's a bad movie.
0: Oh, I, I do. I, of, I. It's,
2: it's by no means a great movie. It's it is not. It's of, not as of bad as eight, all of that.
0: Of the eight films nominated for okay, Best let's Do Picture it. Let's, that year,
2: let's run down the Best Picture noms. Let's okay, go. Here we go.
0: Here are the films nominated for Best Picture. Birdman won. The other nominees: American Sniper, Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash.
2: How hard were you pulling for Whiplash?
0: Oh, I i it was never gonna happen but no it wasn't but it was I, like that of course this
2: this could be the dark horse this could be the year where the academy does the right thing
0: but they've 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 gotten it right a f- a few times uh, okay you know. Re-
2: recently recently uh, they, got
0: it, they got it right last year my friend uh, yeah okay
2: in principle yes <laughs> uh so yeah the best actor the best actor thing uh, yeah, no, okay. I'm 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 one hundred percent with you. Like Redmain yeah, he did the work, but that no. I'm not like every day of the week and twice on Sunday I am not giving him best actor. It's just well, not fucking happening.
0: Can I let's I wanted and I've I've said this before and I we've gotten into into this debate before, but I would just like to do I would like to run through who was nominated for best actor. We have Eddie Redmayne playing Stephen Hawking, a real person. We have Steve Carell playing John DuPont, a real person. Bennett, or we have uh, Bradley Cooper playing Chris Kyle, a real person. Benedict Cumberbatch playing Alan Turing, a real person. And the one original role, an actor creating a character, Michael Keaton in Birdman.
2: Yeah, but is he or is he just playing a version of himself?
0: Even if that's true? Even if that's true? even Which if, it is. Which, Which it, it fine, fucking is fine, fine, but I wouldn't say that he's playing a character. At least it feels it feels more honest than any of the other performances I just listed, except for Benedict Cumberbatch. A- and why is that?
2: How did he not break your heart in two in that movie? He's incredible
0: I, as that I, character. I thought I thought he was good in the movie, but again, I, it, it's I'm the reflective. it's the
2: best thing Cumberbatch has
0: ever done. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have his, I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying no, I just, I don't have his filmography. Not, I, I, not I
2: think, I think he deserved that award in principle. I mean, that character, And this is, I mean, that character is so important to the fact that you and I are not speaking German right now. That okay. has nothing to do with him deserving the win, but no, I just wanted to, you. I just <laughs> wanted to bring that up. Sure, how important, no, how important it is that that story was finally told.
0: Couldn't agree more. And I don't think that the imitation is the, the imitation. I don't think the imitation game is a bad movie. It's a great movie. I'm saying that it's too easy. It's too easy to just give a nomination I, to somebody oh for playing a real person.
2: I think Cumberbatch bears his soul. He's my pick for best actor of those five.
0: I mean, if I'm picking from these five, I would probably pick Keaton. Yep. But. But but I, I'll Keaton's be honest. Keaton's my think, Keaton's
2: my runner up.
0: Yeah, I would say I think I think I think Cumberbatch is my runner up. Um, but I yeah I just I just I, I I look at this list of actors or and I should be more specific. I look at this these list of characters and I just go this is. We, we, you're either playing a superhero or you're playing somebody that existed in real life. There are no original fucking characters who at least can get nominated for something. It's just well, there's there's
2: just, two there's two big glaring ones that are missing, and that's Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler, which proves my point, and Miles Teller in Whiplash.
0: Ah, uh, no, I disagree. Are, are you fucking kidding me? Okay, I I think he's good in it, but I don't I don't well, think he's, he's best.
2: Well, it's it's Paul Dano in There Will Be Blood. He's overshadowed by one of the most monumental performances of this century so far.
0: Oh, oh my... Hold the fucking phone. Are you calling Paul Dano in There Will Be Blood one of the most monumental No, 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 no. I'm
2: saying he's he's overshadowed by one of oh, the most monumental performances. Okay,
0: I was about to, I was going to reach through my Skype screen and punch you in the throat.
2: No, no, Paul Dano gets too much hate in that. Paul Dano is fucking great in There Will Be Blood, but he is he's, overshadowed.
0: <laughs> no, fuck Paul you, Dano fuck. is fine at best at Oh,
2: fuck you and your Paul Dano hate. That's fine.
0: That's fine. Uh, yes, Miles Teller is absolutely overshadowed by J.K. Simmons in the movie. Yeah, but 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 that's not the comparison I'm trying to make. I I I, I think I think Miles Teller is just fine. It fe- it feels like a really young performance. I can see. I, I I think I'm quoting you. I can feel the seams of his performance a little bit. It feels a bit <laughs> finely polished. A, you know, it feels like a, he's trying really hard. At, at well, I mean, he's
2: he's got a mountain of work in front of him.
0: Well, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give thing. him, I'm
2: gonna give him a little leeway with his, with his youth and inexperience. I mean, it's his first semi-big
0: movie. Yeah, I, I think he's fine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I don't think there's a misnomination there. I think, I think Jake Gyllenhaal got robbed pretty. pretty well, I'm gonna,
2: very. I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit. Do you know who did give Jake Gyllenhaal Best
0: Actor? I don't.
2: The fucking Seattle Film Critics. Because we know what's up in the fucking PNW, my friend. We fucking, we got this. We know what's up.
0: All right. So we, we have totally derailed from talking about Birdman. So I am going to. Do you have any other Academy Award thoughts you wanted to, to bring up? No, just that that year was a fucking shit show. I mean, come on. Let's, let's
2: call a spade a spade. That year, Best Picture should have been Boyhood
0: and Richard Linklater as director. Dude, I, I love boyhood. Uh, Yeah. And that's tough because I, it was really all, I felt like for a lot of the Oscars that year, it was who's going to win. Is it going to be Birdman or boyhood? Uh,
2: Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'll make, I'll, I'll fucking call it out right now. I'm going to put all those fucking Lord of the Rings fans on blast. If we're going to give return of the King, best director and best picture solely on achievement of like the scale of what they did. Tell me that boyhood isn't any bigger than what, they did with return of the king in principle.
0: No, oh, I you're you're talking to the wrong person because I absolutely agree with you on that.
2: Yeah, it, boyhood picture, boyhood director.
0: It did.
2: It's happen. A, it's a monumental achievement. No matter no matter what you think of the finished product, fucking monumental achievement that I don't think will ever be repeated. Uh, he, he's trying
0: to do it right now.
2: Link I yeah, he's he's got his
0: twenty year musical idea. Is that? Mm- merrily we roll along i think it's a sondheim yeah. musical yeah yeah yeah. i mean we'll okay, see so, man yeah 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 of course so i'm gonna just blast through some of these other ones so at the golden globes uh keaton won best actor because i think he was in a different category and met one best screenplay lost picture director supporting actor supporting actress and score at the baftas it won best cinematography and it lost film director actor supporting actor supporting actress original screenplay editing score and sound at the Screen Actors Guild, it was nominated for Best Ensemble, Actor, Supporting Actor, and Supporting Actress. The AFI gave it the Movie of the Year. It won the DGA. At the Spirit Awards, it won Feature, Male Lead, and Cinematography. The National Board of Review gave it one of the Top Ten Films of the Year. And it won Best Actor and Supporting Actor. It won a PGA film, PGA Award. At the Seattle Film Critics, which we just talked about, it didn't win Best Actor. But it won Best Picture, Cinematography, Editing, and
2: Score. I wanna, I do wanna just one more shout out for the Seattle Film Critics. They gave Supporting Actress to Jessica Chastain in A Most Violent Year because she fucking nails it so hard in that movie.
0: I still haven't seen that. That's, that's how? A Jason oh my god!
2: With your with your fucking twenty fourteen week, how did you not watch A Most Violent? You watched Nightcrawler again instead, which is fine. I'm not gonna shame hey, you hey, for that. Hey, but hey, how the hey. fuck? Watch it. <laughs> You, you putting me on notice i am i am no i i loved
0: dude i loved margin call i loved all is was it all is lost all is lost great movie but i do i it's i don't it's not that i don't want to watch it it's just i come on come on how do, do i do you, how do i just I, pick something to watch how do i do it i i don't how know do how do you it? do
2: it i don't know do you do you have a most violent year
0: no, I don't have it, but I'm just trying
2: to. Do you fucking want my car? Co- I'll just fucking give it. If it may, means that you will watch it, you can fucking have mine. I'll buy it again. I don't give a shit. It's a fucking great movie. I don't
0: want movie. your pity. I don't want your pity movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, you want know my, my sloppy seconds movie? Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> uh, this, movie, <laughs> this movie is not currently on the IMDb top 250. It has a 91% critical and 77% audience score. On rotten tomatoes. We are too far into this. I'm skipping any critical thing that I had. I had something, but I'm not going to read it cuz I just want Oh, out can I,
2: Can I read mine?
0: Ah, oh, motherfucker.
2: Come on. This we we always knew this was going to be a long episode. Come on. Ah, give me a break. You can you can cut it if you want. I don't give a fuck. I'm going <laughs> to read it anyway. You put me on notice. I'm putting you on notice. Uh, you're going to get contentious. Read it. It's raging just read bull. I'm it. fucking I'm raging bull right here, man.
0: Oh, great god. So you're you're going to be emotional in one note the entire time?
2: Oh motherfucker! You you accuse me of that in a dream. You better wake up and apologize. <laughs> All right, here we go. So, do you remember a few weeks back, uh, Science of the Lambs? We talked about a certain critic, who was completely off base, Mister Rex Reed, yes. who was pining for the old Jonathan Demi. Ooh, where is my Jonathan Demi dark comedies? What is this shit? Ah, oh, fuck you, Rex Reed. Uh, I've got a review of his that I kind of... Some of it I actually agree with. Um, he, he, the name of his review was Michael Keaton is the sole redeeming thing about Birdman which isn't saying much. Okay. Here we go. Last two paragraphs of his review. It's supposed to be a comedy, but Birdman is directed by the usually brilliant Alejandro González inaritu who knows nothing about the subject. The result is a train wreck... Without a shred of continuity, it's a mess, unstructured and throwing itself all over the place in one hysterical scene after the next. I think he took issue with the Lindsay Duncan character. The silliest character of all (laughs) is an evil dill pickle of a critic from the New York Times who destroys plays without even seeing them, composing her venom in a bar down the street. Mr. Keaton wears himself out trying to bring home the truth that a goose can never be a peacock, but everything else eludes me. Some of the critics who embrace this kind of stupidity claim that Birdman pretends to say something witty about the perils of celebrity, fame, stardom, success, and failure. Not necessarily in that order. But I can find nothing good to say about any shard of the pretentiousness on view here. In the end, Mr. Keaton gives up completely and levitates. Then he dons his Birdman suit and flies through the canyons above the traffic and over the bridges and rivers of Manhattan. At last we know the only way where being Birdman pays off. You don't have to head to JFK to get out of town you can fly back to Hollywood all by yourself. Not all of it. Some of that, I, I think he's got a point.
0: Okay, well, let's let's quickly delve into the plot, and then we can just jump into our, our thoughts of the movie. So uh, Birdman is about Riggan, who uh, is an actor who at one point played the character of Birdman in a couple of films, and... And has reached sort of the later stages of his life and has tried to sort of restart his career by writing, directing, producing, and starring in uh, an adaptation of a Raymond Carver Carver novel, What We Talk About When We Talk About Love. Um, uh, Basically, it's about the the few previews into opening night of the production. And again, I mentioned... um, uh, Naomi Watson, and Andrea Riceboro play the co-stars of the film. One of the actors in the movie who <laughs> they commonly refer to as a bad actor gets hit in the head with a light. Thus Edward Norton's character comes in, who is sort of like a method kind of very diligent actor guy comes in and, and the other characters are important too. I would say Emma Stone, uh, who, who is Reagan's daughter kind of helps him as an assistant, but also ends up having sort of a quasi relationship with Edward Norton and really, it's about Michael Keaton being overwhelmed by everything kind of going on in these in these couple of days of previews into opening and whether or not he has the powers of Birdman or is just starting to slip out of reality. If we want to maybe just phrase it that way. Um. So Birdman, what, what viewing was this for you? This was my I think this was my third time. Oh, this is this is third for me, and I should
2: I should preface I should preface some bias with the fact that I did Birdman uh, on its opening weekend here in Seattle on a double feature with Whiplash, <laughs> and I did Whiplash first, which was a mistake, and I walked out of Birdman very very underwhelmed, and uh, honestly a little irritated. Okay, a, a lot irritated. Uh, so,
0: why were you irritated?
2: Uh, because it's pretentious as shit.
0: Okay. Okay. So great. Great. Let's, and and, let, the, and
2: the drumming score
0: is uh, nauseating. It's uh, nauseating. I, okay. Well, let's 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 stick with the pretentious thing. What what makes this movie pretentious?
2: It's two on the nose. It's about. As, about the pitfalls of celebrity versus being a an actor, and this is where I really want—I really, this is where you can weigh in more than I can because I—I don't—I don't know anything about the theater. You know me; I'm a fucking layman when it goes into well, theater.
0: And so here's, and i i, I got it. So, so I—I I haven't done a, a a play. I haven't done something on the stage since uh, December of 2019. Since before this whole stupid shit happened. And honestly, I would say all of like all of 2020, I haven't really missed being on stage. Right. I got to teach, uh, some, some movement classes and I was doing this with you and, and the other podcast. And I felt like I I'm, I'm doing stuff to keep me uh, that I really like doing. So I'm not missing that part of my life. Um, but between I've been teaching intro, this year so i've also been i've been teaching more scene work and giving more notes and feeling more in the theater and i'm teaching on the main stage up at western so i'm like i'm always on that stage so between that and um uh, some some other things that have been going on i've been i've been really missing the stage and then i watched this movie and i i pined for it so much not just because they're always kind of backstage, and and I I recognize those sp- not that theater per se, but just those spaces. What the green room looks like, what backstage looks like, what it means to be up in the and the cat or or on stage. And but there's, uh, for, a, there's us, a- for us for
2: us laymen, I'm assuming the cat is like the rafters, the catwalks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, thank
0: yeah. you. Um. And. And so I know. I and we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to all the stuff with with Riggin and Birdman and what's going on in reality. I know we're gonna talk about that, but more than ever, I Ed, Ed Norton's character as Shiner is just like yes, like when when he's standing by the ghost light, which is the light that light in the middle of the stage. Um, that essentially, like if if when when all the other theater lights are off there's one light on because it's it's so dark in a theater and they call it the ghost light. Anyway, when he's standing next to it for the first time we see him and he's talking about who's walked these boards, he's talking about the, the history of the space. I'm like, he gets it. Like, and and what what this movie doesn't talk about, but it's kind of implied in those moments is like actors nowadays, I feel like, well, I should say like, like TV stars and like young up and like young actors who, who, who kind of hit it in, in screen and didn't really have any training. Like they don't have the history. They don't know who was doing this shit before them. And I loved his speech about who walked the boards. I loved him. Just give me a line. Just feed me a line. Just like wanting to do it the way that he was trying to get, get some stuff out of Keaton. Like I fucking, I loved all of it. And I miss the theater so much that I won't lie. That really, that really forced my viewing of this this time because I just, I just miss it, and it just looked so pretty and so awesome, and just I miss that. I miss being in front of people like that. Well, I'm not. Here's I'm not going to walk back the pretentious
2: comment <laughs> at all. Based on no, no, you you have a personal connection to it, and I don't want to. I don't want to shit on that. But here's the deal: there's really only about sixty percent of a good movie in here. I mean, every like everybody is is at their best. I mean, it's a great performance from Edward Norton; totally deserves the nomination. Great performance by I love Emma Stone. I think this is Emma yeah. Stone's best work. I I, I I think she's incredible; totally deserves the nomination. Keaton deserves the nomination. I mean, he is really this was this was like a comeback for him. He hadn't had a yeah. starring role in what like eight years, ten years. Yeah, the last thing yeah. he had a starring role in was also something he directed. I he think it directed was like a t- it was a TV movie. Yeah, which is kind of funny. Uh, Zach Galifianakis, I, maybe not his best work, but he's still doing damn fine. Oh yeah, stuff.
0: no, I I that I had a I I had a thought. I I read this note. I mean, one of the best ensembles uh, of a good while i mean amy yeah. amy ryan comes in and kills it for two scenes naomi watts is is great i i yeah i just she's really like
2: name naomi watts is better than she usually is
0: oh really you don't you don't have high name i'm watts not thoughts? i'm
2: not i'm not a huge no i'm not a huge fan she hasn't done anything that is really impressed me i mean this this is up there yeah i mean I, it's like this this and mulholland drive and even mulholland drive i have some I have some thoughts about some choices that she makes in that, <laughs> but uh, I mean, my unsung hero is Andrea Riseborough in front of the screen. Yeah, she's she's stunningly good, and I there's nowhere near enough of her. Not that I not that I would know where else you would insert. Like I say this a lot, like there's not enough of somebody, but I also don't know where you would put them in. I mean, this is another case of that. Yeah, I mean the the, the scene that she has where she tells him. Oh that oh actually I'm not pregnant. Yeah. And I mean this is some really goddamn good writing. Is you know she says oh I'm not pregnant. I really wanted it. My body wouldn't let me have it and he's there's a, there's that dismissiveness that he has. Yeah. And she goes out on stage and then she has to perform a monologue about being pregnant. Yeah. That's oh man that's a fucking gut punch and it's such a it's a subtle it almost feels like a throwaway moment and it shouldn't be. Which is it really pisses me off. I wish we could follow her out on the stage and actually hear that monologue at that moment. That that yeah. really pisses me off that she's robbed of that. And instead we get I mean, I'm jumping way ahead. Instead but I because we're here talking about Andrea Riseborough, instead of letting her have this really great moment, instead we have a really over the top bit of business where he goes outside Smokes a cigarette, gets stuck outside, and then has to walk almost nude through Times Square. I mean that that's the movie Jumping the Shark for me.
0: I mean, it, it is a big moment, and I, I think we've already it, it's it's one of those things where I I get that Keaton is having to deal with a lot of stuff. I mean, like his sanity is starting to crack. I mean and just and just the weight of having to make all of, I mean, it's one thing to be, like I've acted in shows before and I've directed shows before. I i have at one point have directed a show that I was in and it's tough and when you're doing that, you also are in charge, when you're a director, you're also kind of making a lot of big choices on the production side of things. But then as a producer as well, and as the person who wrote that, like I can only imagine the immense amount of pressure and shit that Reagan is dealing with, right? I don't, so, I don't, I don't unlike the, the, the Time squares thing where he, he's going through in his, in his underwear, but it does, it does seem like I, I do, I get that his life is tough right now. I don't know that we need that moment.
2: It's, it's one of those moments where like, oh, we can, we can actually do this. So let's do it instead of, does it, does it serve the story? Is this and important? A, I mean, I like him coming back in. I, I, I like where it ends up. He comes oh back in God. and he has that moment where he has to like point his finger and he's walking through the crowd having to do the monologue. I think that's kind of fun and interesting. Oh God.
0: I but, feel that, that my heart hurts. I mean, here's the thing though, again, and this is, this is the actor in me going like that is an actor's nightmare to be like, to get locked out of a space and have to some like that, like. That is fucking god awful scary. Like, like that. I, I, <laughs> uh, I don't like that at all. Like, the thought of it just makes me, like, makes
2: me fucking cringe. I, I think what would have been more interesting is probably what is more realistic is that fear of forgetting your lines before you go out on stage. I mean, I'm going to reference another Mark Marin WTF episode where he had David Harbour on and David Harbour whenever he goes out on stage, not every time, obviously, but he's talked about moments where like he is literally 30 seconds from walking out on the stage and he's flipping the fuck out going, somebody give me a script. I can't remember my lines. And he has to like go out and you know, you go out and you do it, but there's that, that fear. And there's, there's really no moment in the movie like that. Instead, we get this
0: over the top Times square sequence. Well, it's, it's so part of me wants to push back a little bit on that because this isn't, None of these are new actors, right? Like we're talking. I mean, it certainly seems like all of the actors in the show know what they're doing, and so I, I don't know that I would realistically buy an actor for getting their line or or that moment that you're talking about. Something like, I mean, if you're talking about Broadway, you're talking about like a, a big deal. I mean, you, your show doesn't make it to Broadway. I mean, even if it's not going to be good, there's money behind it. There's a certain amount of this is gonna this is gonna succeed because it's made it to Broadway. I. I that would feel more false to me than I, I get so you, I get so you
2: don't so you don't identify with that David Harbor sentiment then of like having that those few moments before you go on stage and like, holy shit, do I actually am I actually off book? Do I actually know the fucking stuff I'm supposed to
0: say? i don't I don't know how to say this without sounding pretentious myself, but but not anymore. I don't i i i I had I had this idea a while ago that the first time. It, that I kind of do like a like each new thing presents a new a new amount of um nervousness each time like the first time I did a show at Western I was I was fucking scared because it's like it's my first show at Western and then but then I did I did many a show at Western and then I got into grad school and then my first show at grad school I was like holy shit now it's a whole new place. Nobody knows me. Is anybody gonna give a care or like what I'm doing? And then I did a much more shit. My first show back, which was the Pillow Man, uh like that show is a wordy show and i was scared shitless about doing that and then the last time i felt nervous was the last big play i did which was at seattle shakespeare but but generally no i don't i don't have this fear like like if you're asking me the first show i did on broadway if i was gonna have some jitters well fucking a yeah right i would have some jitters <laughs> but but on principle no it's i i don't because you because the first like an actor can't act until the script is out of your hand. If you're still worried about the lines opening night, you haven't done your job. Um, so and I get I get a fear of like, did they all leave? I, I understand David Harbour's point of view, but I don't I don't really have those thoughts.
2: All right. yeah, I was definitely curious about that with with you on a, on a, on a personal level. Yeah, let's I mean. let's stay let's stay with the let's stay with the uh the the pretentiousness of the film and the <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> well and the the clash the clash of of celebrity versus versus a real you know in in quotes actor yeah and and what it means like Edward Norton talks about what it means to go out on stage and bare your soul every night rather than uh what does he say the uh something about the the slutty little cousin to uh Oh, that's such a great line. Popularity is the slutty little cousin of prestige. Yes. Talk to me. What does what does that line mean to you?
0: Well, to me, it's, I, I hear that and I, now I'll be, now I'll be honest. Like my, my on camera stuff has been limited mostly by choice. I've done some commercials and stuff and an indie film and, and whatnot, but there there's so much about the work that goes into a play, and there's so much about the character and the and the ensemble building. I mean, you before, off mic. We were talking about the the Jake Gyllenhaal interview with Mark Maron, and they talked about that the way that you can do a film for a long time and then end and you never talk to those people again. It just feels disconnected. Whereas when you're in a play, everybody's there the whole time and and you, you you build this community and then you're there every night doing the show with them and, and in front of an audience and, um, you know, more so, I mean, I love the line about, I love that popularity is the slutty cousin of prestige. But for me, it's when he's talking about that, the stage is the only place that he can be honest. Like I, I, I don't, I don't agree with that as an actor, but I understand what he's saying. And, this idea of being the most honest on stage, and that's how I approach the work. Is I have to be the most honest, the most real, on stage. Um, and well, Ed- I think Edward that's... Norton is. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I... I,
2: I think Edward Norton is. As much as I love his performance, it's he is playing a caricature. He is playing the idea of this guy who can only be honest on stage he's so hollow and shallow as a human being that
0: all he has is is his work and see and i i think this is where we just differ because i think i think when it comes to the Michael Keaton character and the Edward Norton character, I don't, I don't find them as caricatures. And, and I know, and you can do, you, I mean, even if you've only seen a handful of movies in your life and you, and you've done the, like the minuscule amount of research you can get, Oh yeah. Michael Keaton played Batman at one point and was a big deal. And then he wasn't a big deal. And Oh, I've heard Edward Norton is really hard to work with and on films. And I think it's so, I think it's so lazy to just go, Oh, they're just plain versions of themselves. I mean, Sure. But in a very real way, actors are always playing versions of themselves because you are never like, despite how Daniel Day-Lewis you get with a role, everything falls on this spectrum. There's the actor and the character. And sometimes a role may fall closer to one than the other, but it's always on the spectrum. It is always there and you are always still in it. So I I hated, I gave up doing some of the research on this movie because I just kept reading. Did you know that Edward Norton, like, was, you know, because he, he was difficult to work with on such and such movie? This this was kind of a comment on him. And oh, and when Keaton played Batman twice before, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I don't care about that because because from my point of view as an actor, what they're saying is true. Like, and, and to go back to the popularity thing, this whole idea of being relevant, like, I'm at a point right now in, in my career where I, I, I feel like I'm busy enough with things that I enjoy that I'm I I'm not worried about that. But whenever I stop and think a little bit too long about what I could be doing with my career, I go, fuck, I'm not doing, I'm not doing enough. And part of me is like, I've I've thought like once before, like, do I need to start like a TikTok thing? And then I heard myself say that and I was like, fucking no. What am I doing? I don't want to fucking start a TikTok. But I, I applaud is,
2: you for coming to that conclusion. Well done.
0: But there are, a lot of, there are a lot of celebrities, people who we probably used to watch in movies, who do that, and that's the only way that they can stay relevant. And so I think, I don't find it pretentious, I find it realistic. I, and well, it,
2: I wanted to use the word lazy a minute ago as far as casting was concerned. Should we call it easy casting rather than lazy casting?
0: I, I, I wouldn't call it either, if I'm being honest.
2: <laughs> because as far as these people, if we're going to lean into them, or if we're going to allow people to say that they are playing parodies of themselves, I mean, there's just so much of it that is, is too on the nose for me. It's, it's too much of pulling back the curtain on how these people are perceived, even to the point where, in the details, I think it's too on the nose. He says the last time he put on the suit was 1992 that was the last time he played Batman. He comes into the room and the first time that we see him and the voice in his head is saying, well, you're the original. And they're, they're making reference to Robert Downey Jr. putting on his tin man suit, And, and I don't know, that's, that's where it is pretentious to me. And I've, I'll bring up your favorite film, Pulp Fiction. I've, I've had discussions with people who feel that Pulp Fiction is pretentious because of the way in which it has conversations about the industry and that conversation about pilots they, f- they find that it is, is too on the nose. And I don't necessarily agree with it in the case of Pulp Fiction because that's just how people fucking talk. Yeah. But in yeah. this case, in this case, there's a sense of we're getting a glimpse behind the curtain, but the people that we're glimpsing, I think, are too close to how the public perceives them. And so I don't feel like there's enough work that is asked of us as an audience, and there's probably not enough work that's being asked of them as actors. Because they just get to lean into the public perception.
0: Yeah, but the the problem with that though is that I don't think I, I think that the characters are pushed to extremes, and I don't I don't believe that's who they actually are. Like, well, no, I, and I, neither do I. And I, of I, course,
2: of course, I'm speculating.
0: I just I I don't know for for whatever reason I don't I don't I don't see Michael Keaton like. I don't know like in the in the in the few things I've like the few interviews I've seen with Michael Keaton and just like the way that I perceive him as an actor I've I've never once thought that like he was this guy in the movie like or even a or even a version of him like I think I think circumstances are similar like some of the things in the past are similar but I don't I don't really I don't pull those parallels into it I I I genuinely see people create like creating a character that they have some similarities to. I just
2: well, I Maybe maybe my problem isn't with character then. Maybe it's with dialogue being too on the nose. In another circumstance is where Edward Norton tells him, Oh, you get to go on Letterman and tell a crass story about, you know, putting on the suit. And I I've seen interviews of him on Fallon, on Kimmel, on Letterman talking about, you know, working with Jack Nicholson on Batman. It's just I don't maybe I I don't know. Maybe I'm being nitpicky. Maybe I don't want that much reality in my film.
0: And, and for me, like, I just, I feel like the whole, well, maybe not the whole thing, but so much of the movie for me is about, is about what, what does happen behind the scenes and what are these people like when, like, and granted and, created, and I, I, that's, and this is where I disagree with the the review that you read is I think, I think the extremes of it are, are very funny. I, I, I think it is hilarious. Well, ha, I'm going to backpedal a little bit. I think it's hilarious when Edward Norton gets an erection on stage. I think the idea of that is very funny to me now where that goes and him trying to have sex with Naomi Watts on stage is not funny. I think it's, it's played for comedic stuff and, and I think it's an interesting thing to happen and him, him being so method. I, and to think even to go with a, a a less vulgar version is when he's actually drinking the gin in the first preview and they switch it with water and the whole production stops because he's like, did you fucking switch my gin with water? Like, I don't know that that would ever happen in a real show but i also love that it happens in the movie i that i think he, it's
2: great i i, yeah. I that is probably I, I don't know it's probably not my favorite moment in the movie cuz there are there are some very very great moments but that one's definitely up there that's a that's a top 5 moment in the movie i'll say that
0: i really i really and like and again i think there there are obvious moments of like the you know when when emma stone tells tells michael keaton that you know you're you're trending right now when he's you know and that and that's a very like watch look like this is the power she goes you might not realize it but this is power um and that's that's pretty explicit with it but i i love the little story that when when we've the first, the first time we see amy ryan when he goes did you know that farrah fawcett died the same day as michael jackson like yeah and that yeah, well he's
2: he's relating that you know if i were to die in the same plane crash as george clooney yes yeah
0: which it i think that's it's unfortunate because that's, and and it's never got like again. I I, so I don't want to. I I am a a very a very small fish in terms of the acting world. But like, of course, I've thought about like, have I done enough in my career that people are going to ever know that I was like an actor, like outside of the people that I worked with, right? And, and so the idea of this of this guy in the later years of his life trying to do something different, and maybe, you know, and and part of me from from the from his character is like maybe Riggin is part of me wonders if he is doing this for just to stay relevant like does he really care about raymond carver does he does he really care about the theater or is this just a way to be taken as like a serious actor again and maybe it will lead to other opportunities which is very funny because as we mentioned earlier, this this was certainly a resurgence for Michael Keaton's career. Well, I think <laughs> I think that is absolutely
2: the right case. I mean, you see how how much he perks up when Zach Galifianakis says, "Well, after that preview, we're sold out. You know, three yeah. three you know, a line that's three blocks deep. We're sold out. Scorsese is in the audience. He's casting his new film. You know, we we see that this is just a stepping stone to get him back to." where he once was the the shallow and callousness of that and that's again why the subtitle of the unexpected virtue of ignorance is just too fucking on the nose like just can you just try and be a little bit subtle and the other thing that pisses me off is finding out that this was just a project that they did in between waiting for leo to be available to do the revenant it and having heard that now it does feel thrown together
0: Oh man. See, I, I loved hearing that. I, that didn't bug me at all. That made me, I, cause, cause, and I think what I like about it in a way is like in Inaritu does so little work. Like, I mean, we've only got six films from, from him since 2000. Um, but like the fact that he was able to go, like, I don't want to just wait, like, let's do something. And Uh, no,
2: don't get me wrong. It is an impressive achievement for just waiting around for a year and a half.
0: But I don't know. I, I don't. I don't feel like it's. I don't. I just. Yeah. I don't feel like it's rushed either. I just. I. I. It feels like they picked a specific world to live in. Okay. Hold on. Let's. Okay. So we've talked about a lot. The one thing. One thing that we haven't talked about yet that I think was sort of a, a draw of the movie was the uh, the not really, but the perceived one take nature of it. It's pointless. It is.
2: It's. It's it, impressive, but it's fucking pointless. It is and, it is and nothing and nothing that is truly useless can be beautiful. That that a line. Yeah, it is. It's from Twenty Four Hour Party People.
0: Oh, I've never seen that. Tony,
2: that. Tony Wilson, aka Steve Coogan, said that.
0: Um, and and so when like I, but I I also like I remember when I first saw the movie that that was a big kind of sell, not a selling point maybe but like this is a watch out this is looks like it's all in one take and it's clearly not I mean it's not because it
2: because it takes place over weeks so what the fuck is the point it's not 1917 where it takes place over that day
0: yes yes exactly and that that was going to be my well two things i was going to say is one that makes sense because it's the mission that they're on and it it is it's in real time why and 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 this would be where i don't care that it happens because i really don't what i what i appreciate about the nature of it in general is how long the scenes are. And and from from the standpoint of watching the acting happen in one shot, I love. Like, I know that in a performance can basically come together in post. Like a, like, a performance can win an Oscar based what happens in the editing room and what they put together. But what I loved so much about this movie is you get to see so much of it happen without cuts. Like, there are cuts, but not like, not within a scene, right? And so when we get the first scene of of Keaton and Norton working on the play, when we get the blow up scene between Keaton and Emma Stone, like when we get the scene the, the scenes with Edward Norton and Emma Stone up on the roof, like I just get to sit back and go they're not cutting, man. I am just watching these two actors do their thing and fucking nail it and, and that's that's why I
2: they're... say it's that's why I say it's more than 50% a good movie. they they are all performing at the top of the game Emma Stone she won the Oscar for the wrong movie
0: uh, yeah I I well I, I have thoughts about La La land but I, yeah I definitely I definitely ac- agree with you on that
2: one. I mean I love her in La La land I, I mean I, I'm charmed and I fall in love with her in that movie almost instantly but she it she won it for the wrong
0: movie. Well, it's tough, though. I mean, because, you know, do you I think her performance is showier than Patricia Arquette's. But then you also understand that it's like, are, are you I unlike kind of like the Lord of the Rings thing? Are you rewarding the commitment of Patricia Arquette in the movie versus the? it's. Yeah, I know. I have no problem with Patricia
2: Arquette winning. I just I also think that it should have been Emma Stone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do, man. I, I love I love this Emma Stone. I want more of I want more of this from her. I agree. I know you're right. I, I, I'm all for this this sitting back and just letting the scenes play and being amazed by what a technical achievement it is. But but unlike nineteen seventeen, I feel like this calls out the fact that it is they are going for a technical achievement. It's it's not as fluid. It's not as natural as, as something in 1917. It's something that they did simply because they could.
0: Well, and, and p- part of me, like, the only thing that I could reach at was that, that essentially about doing doing a movie about doing a play, trying to make us feel as if it's as much of a play as possible. And I get that there are a lot of, especially towards the end when he's, when riggin is walking down the road and he's sort of, that the, the like action movie is happening around him, like that's clearly not theatrical. Um, but that that maybe they're, what they were trying to do is show some kind of a comparison of we're not doing a play, but here are these really long takes of what it might feel like as if you were watching a play. I don't know. I didn't read that. That was the closest thing that I could get to to a why. No, Other I think than... you. Yeah, no, I think you're definitely on the money there. Oh man, but so. So what what are your thoughts of the di- about the dialogue? Because I, I I I really I really liked it.
2: Again, I mean, fifty percent of it is is fantastic. I mean, the scene with him and Tabitha is fucking great, where he he confronts her and and she's like, "I'm going to destroy your play because of what you represent." That's great. Yeah. And then I even, uh, I even the, just s- like some scene... of the one liners. Oh yeah, the, the one of I the mean... first
0: lines we hear in the movie is "Smells like balls."
2: Yeah. Well we get I think we get two balls references because we Edward we get Norton. the little <laughs> Oh no like, we okay it? there we go. We get three balls references. We get the somebody chiseling at my balls with a tiny hammer and then when <laughs> Edward Norton brings Naomi Watson in close when he's stood there completely ass naked in the fitting, play with my balls. Yep. Yep. A lot of lot of ball talk. If you're offended oh, by ball Where's talk, it? this is not the I... movie for you. <laughs>
0: I look I look like a turkey with leukemia is another line that gets said. That's that's a
2: good one. Jeez.
0: But there's so many like, okay, okay, hold on. Like there's there's two lines that happen really close back to back. I think this is when um I think this is when Naomi Watts is talking to Andrea Riceborough. Um so there's this 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 first line, this is a this is a back and forth. Naomi Watts says, Why don't I have any self-respect? And then Andrea Riceborough goes you're an actress, honey. Now I wanted to, st- I want to, I wanted to call that moment out for just a second because well, it's fucking dark. It, it, well, it is dark. And, but the prop, I, I, and I think it's a funny line in theory, but I also, here's the thing. And I, I want to take, I want to take gender out of it for a second because to be an actor, it, it's not about, it's not about not having any self-respect what I tell my students and what I try to live by when I'm on stage is that you, you have to be not just comfortable, but in love with the idea that you are going to make an ass out of yourself and that it's okay. And that not only is it okay, but that the, the moment the play may necessitate you looking like an ass on stage. And, and there is this sense of like, you know, like, I don't know how many auditions I've been to, how many callbacks in particular, where it's like, I'm gonna show you the best version of me. I'll agree with what you say, even if even if I don't agree with it in, in like in my real life. Like if you give me a note or you say something, I'm all I'm all for it because I want the fucking part. And I, and I don't I don't think that's different for women. I think if you are what if you want to be an actor, you're gonna you're gonna agree with shit or do things that make you like, go. is this really what I believe? But it's a fucking weird industry and you really want to be in it. Um, The other thing, and then I'll, I'll stop talking for a bit is I think in that same scene, Naomi Watts says, I keep waiting for someone to tell me I made it, which is another like, God, if that line doesn't fucking ring true, I mean for for anybody, but I, from an, from the standpoint of an actor, it's like you keep thinking that you've, I mean, each, I, each thing that you do, like each accomplishment is, is like, you can, you live there for the moment. And then when it's gone, it's like, oh, I haven't done anything. Like I did this, I did this thing. I, I strive for it. I got it. Now it's over. And then it's just immediately, it's like, oh, wait, have I done anything? And, and clearly you have, but it's also, it's just tough because you, everybody's definition of success is completely different. Oh, one hundred percent. I I I
2: here's I knew that I was gonna be fighting an uphill battle with you in this movie. There was there was no way that you weren't gonna have a connection to it or more that more of a connection than I would. Not not having been an actor or been on stage, things like that. What I I and I don't wanna take away any of the feelings that you have when you watch this movie, but what I do the the question that i that i would ask of of Inaritu is why this movie when you when you look at everything else when you look at everything else that he's done and that's not to say that you have to have a stake in everything that you make every you have to have a stake in in, in thematically what your film is saying but his film is talking so much about celebrity versus talent and technique and, and I'm thinking about the the scene again with with Regan and Tabitha where he's talking about you risk nothing and she's coming back with you know you you measure your you measure your your worth in weekends Inoritu isn't one of those filmmakers you know what I mean he he, he makes as you said he makes so few films and his films are essentially indie art house I mean, big big films in their sure. scope i mean if you look at babel babel is a fucking huge film yes um but but why why this why is he passionate about this particular subject matter and the only thing i can is is he a th- does he enjoy theater and is he tired of seeing the two worlds start to blend you know when this film comes out we're at a point where and, and again, it's another thing that's too on the nose. When we get to the end of the film and Riggin shoots his nose off, we have that, that weird bit of business where pop culture starts to invade uh, the theater. We, have, we literally have Spider-Man on stage, which was a play that happened. They did a Spider-Man, big Spider-Man musical. And we, we, have, we see Bumblebee from the Transformers movies. I, I forget who else. We see somebody else. But we start to see pop culture invade this world and is is that offensive i i don't know
0: um no well, and uh, pop culture will it, it's it's been happening i mean the, the the harry potter show is there's a harry potter play that's that's been that was started in london i think came to la i don't think it hit, or maybe it did hit broadway um yeah and that think- was
2: wild wildly successful right
0: yeah, yeah I, no, I don't know, totally. I don't know
2: how good it was, but
0: but there's also there is there is there's been a bastardization of theater, especially especially like Broadway theater over the last 10 years or so. Um and you, uh, every once in a while you'll get a gem like The Book of Mormon or Fun Home or um or Hamilton. But like a lot of times it's there's it's just like it's just adapting i'd say a hip movie but that's not even always true adapting movies into musicals because it's an easier thing to do there's brand recognition oh we're going to get people into seats like it's why doing any disney film like the lion king or frozen or aladdin like you can just do it on broadway and you're guaranteed to get an audience and um the spider-man musical was a failed pretty big actually um that was a colossal failure um but i think at the time it was meant to be this like, look at what we can do in the theater. It's it was like again, it's bringing IP into a space where I don't think it's necessary, right? I like if I lived in New York, going to see Spider Man the musical wouldn't draw me in. What what I would want to do is like watching those limited runs of like, oh, they're doing this show for like four weeks, but it's got all these people. And I was so bummed. There's a there's a great play called A Steady Rain. And it premiered in Chicago locally before it hit Broadway. It's a two-hander. It's about these two Chicago cops. Do you know when when it was on Broadway, do you know who the two leads of this play were? No, hit Hugh, me with it. Hugh Jackman and Daniel Craig doing a two-hander about Chicago cops. And the play is – I fucking love the play. And, like, how, how fucking cool would that have been to have seen Hugh Jackman and Daniel Craig – do a piece that wasn't like he's not playing Wolverine and he's not playing Bond. They're acting, they're doing, they're doing some work that we don't know them for. Right? Like I hear that and I get fucking giddy about it, but unfortunately it's, there's so little of that. It's just like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to do a revival of Godspell again, or, or here, here's the fucking musical of legally blonde now on Broadway or mean girls. That's like the new one is mean girls was going to be on Broadway. And it's like, cool but that was also a movie do we need to do this and i think the other thing that i like about this 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 movie is they're trying to adapt a raymond carver novel for broadway like i feel like in a way even that flies in the face of what you would see on broadway i just I, i don't know i there's so much about what happens in the movie that i i like and respond to
2: well, let's, let's stay with that. Let's stay with Hugh Jackman and Daniel Craig on stage because this okay. film seems to take offense with movie stars in this realm as well. I want to know, how do, how do you feel? You seem to take less offense with that than I'm sure some purist would, unless I'm projecting. Well,
0: no, and, well, and here's the thing too. Hugh Jackman made his bones doing musicals. Daniel Craig was in the original London production of Angels in America. Like, if you can take... Not you, you know, but like if if the, the people at large would take five minutes to look this up before going to see a show or picking what they want to watch, you'd be able to see, oh, wow, these people have have some some theater background. That That's cool. You know, I have a bigger issue with like, I think there was a production of a well, play. Bruce, I, a, Bruce Willis in Misery. I know that well, got a lot of flack. That got a lot of flack because he couldn't remember his lines. He had an earpiece in. They were feeding his lines to him. When he was doing the show,
2: yeah, no, I I remember hearing that. So I'm I'm sure there's that was just a culmination of everything flying in the face of purist theater, you know, adapting yeah, and, a novel that had already been adapted into a film, and now you've got you know formerly
0: one of the biggest stars in the world in that role. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's where I think it goes obvious in the wrong direction. Like that's not that's not good.
2: So so Birdman, am I am I kind of on point? Birdman is taking issues. With say a Bruce Willis situation,
0: I I think partially yeah. I mean I think that's I think if we go from the critic's point of view, I feel like she's probably looking at a Bruce Willis, somebody who who really was you know a little bit of TV and then boom now you're a major film star demanding you know however much he demands per picture now, and like you know I I I wonder if that production of Miseries was before this movie came out because that's that's a great example of like when like I think it was. I think it was,
2: wasn't it 2012, 2013? But anyway, that that brings me, while you're looking that up, that brings me back to my question. I'm not, never would I ever presume to say, you know, Inaritu, stay in your lane and continue to make films like Babel or Beautiful or 21 Grams, but we can only speculate. But why this movie? Why Inaritu?
0: Well, it's, I don't, uh, I don't want to get in... Part of me part of me wants to not talk about this yet because we're gonna talk about his films next week. But, well give
2: us give us a preview of what you so might say now, next
0: week. Now I haven't seen Beautiful. So uh that's gonna be a fun first watch for me uh this week because um it, it'll be new and I and I like Inarritu as a director. Um I, I can't wait to talk about that one with you. Uh but see for for me, Babel was not a success. I I actually thought it was an I thought it was a failure of a film. Um and part of the reason I now I now I've only seen it once, so that might change. But I remember because I, I had seen a Morris Peros and I had seen twenty one grams before Babel. Um and he definitely was was there was this sense of how we're all connected in the world an interconnectedness that he was interested in and it worked beautifully in Amoros Peros and it worked pretty well in 21 Grams and I thought I thought I thought Babel was pretentious I thought this was stretching and trying way too hard to be like look see here's how we're all connected in the world and I thought everybody I thought everybody was trying like way too hard it felt like You're probably not going to like this comparison at all, but it felt like a slightly less crash kind of movie where like we're just going to throw a lot of different people and and race and religions and, and points of view into a movie and just go, look, 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 we're all connected in the world. And for me, it didn't work. What I like about Birdman is it's taking a step back. It's not as I mean, yes, technically, it's a very impressive film, but. In a way, it's also a really small film. It's about these few people doing a play, and and I don't like why that movie. Why now? I mean, you know, because the fucking MCU DCEU like films getting fucking bastardized and like. Well, no, I no, like, no. I'm
2: and, not. I'm not saying why now. I'm. I get the why now. I'm saying why him.
0: Oh, why inaritsu Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know, but I think somebody who is. I, you, part of what we'll talk about next week is just how um, uh, uh, well esteemed of a director he is. I mean, every single one of his movies has gotten some Oscar attention. Maybe it's not always for him as a director, but he's made movies that critics have, have applauded. And um. so I think he's, I think he's really up to date. I mean, maybe he's just less vocal about it than some of the other people like Scorsese who talks about the MCU every, every once and again, but I think he wanted to make a comment on where film was going and where where some of these like where some of these actors fell to you know like you know where was keaton you know and obviously we you know he keaton was at a definitely at a lull in his career and like what it must be for a formerly huge star to now be kind of fallen by the wayside and i think if you kind of like what edward norton was talking about like do you know who's walked these boards before you like I think Inaritu is trying to pay pay homage to, you know, here are some of these, like these big name stars that are gone and they're being replaced by whoever was trending on YouTube that day. And I think, I, I think he probably has a point of view on it now, whether or not he's as vocal on it, I don't, I don't know, but I think, I think what is, cha- what is, inter- what is shifted as entertainment has, has become pretty, pretty glaring over the last decade or so. And, you know, there's people like us who will all, I mean, I will always watch a movie before anything else that I can, that I can watch, but you know, it's hard to not get sucked into YouTube things or, you know, I, I can't say i watch watched anything on TikTok, but like, you know, it's so easy to be distracted by something else.
2: And I, honestly, I never want to look at it. I, I, the, the article that Scorsese put out is this whole idea of this isn't, this is just content now. And fuck, I never want to get there. I never ever want to be at that point where I just consume it as content. that scares the shit out of me
0: yeah and 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 that's why like, and again, maybe it's my my relationship to the stage or just the way that i I, I view kind of some of the things that happen in the movie but i I don't see this as pretentious. I see this as honest. I see this as as Ineritu trying to work through maybe his thoughts on on where film is going and where theater is gone and I just I I buy so much I I, I just I, I live in the words of what these people are talking about and I know that that's the actor in me too but
2: uh yeah well this is this is exactly why I wanted to come out of the gate swinging because I I I wanted you to help me see what I was missing and I and I don't know that I'm there or I don't know that I will ever get there I will certainly try and watch Birdman again not not soon I will certainly try and watch sure. it again with a more open mind Having a little bit more of your perspective, but this Birdman for me was like the the American Hustle the year before. It has all it has all of the bits and pieces of films that I know that I love. I just couldn't I just couldn't
0: connect. I, and 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 I'm but I'm not. I mean, I'm not surprised that that you have that that you have those thoughts about it. I mean, I think that's you know.
2: Well, I'm, you know me. I I need I need a bit more subtlety in in my in my you know in my film I you know I've watched so much garbage I'm so, like I'm like three thousand movies in to my my lifelong film journey and let me tell you more than half probably 75 percent of those films are not worth remembering
0: sure <laughs> um well so speaking of subtlety I I don't think we could get to, to get towards the end here without talking about the end of the movie
2: well I will say this if you're one of these people that watches too many fucking comic book movies and you actually think that he jumps out the window and flies away you're a fucking moron
0: well so let's okay well let's talk about it so throughout the movie there have been references to maybe Keaton has these powers right we open up on him and he's levitating in his room and then there are moments there are moments throughout the movie where it seems like he can make things happen um, I definitely had a uh, a stalker moment when he was pushing something across the table which
2: or when was... he he spins the he spins the the cigarette case yeah yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. um but then obviously these are these are uh, there are moments where they are immediately juxtaposed where um it's it's pretty clear that he's not right there when he's breaking everything in the room, it looks like he's making it happen in his mind. And then Zach Galifianakis comes in and he's destroying things with his hand. There's the whole sequence where he's flying over the city and he lands in front of the theater. And then we, the camera pans and there's an angry cab driver who was pissed because he didn't get paid. Right? So I think I'm pretty sure the movie has done a pretty clear job of showing us that this is all in his head.
2: Well it's right. it's mis- it's misdirection. He he says to his ex-wife, I have a little voice that talks about this film at the end of the day is about mental illness. I think it's I think it wants to be about mental illness. I think it's supposed to be about that, but I don't know that it does the best job of conveying oh, that. I don't know I, that it does the enough credence.
0: Enough. I I disagree.
2: <laughs> you don't <laughs> think this <laughs> film's about a midlife crisis, mental illness?
0: I, I think it might be about a midlife crisis. I don't D- think disassociate,
2: it's about that dos, Disassociation? No. No. It's absolutely about disassociation. How is it not?
0: I, I, I think because there are moments of him... I, I, I think he's under a great amount of stress, and he's he's it's manifesting itself in this way. I don't think he has disassociative like, identity disorder or anything. I don't think he's schizophrenic. What? I think no, he, no, he absolutely does.
2: I, I wouldn't go so far as schizophrenia, but... He is disassociating from the world around him.
0: Yes, but I don't think okay, I, I I yes, he that is happening, but I don't think like I don't think anybody would would like say, Oh, you have dissociative identity disorder. I think this guy I mean he talks about it. he's not getting sleep, he's drinking a lot, he's under the stress. Like I don't I think I, I don't think this is I don't think he's in the right I think I think this is a, a, a mountain of stress falling on this guy. And this is how it's manifesting. I don't. I don't think it's like somebody who's, who's like been having this problem for years. I. I just don't think that's true.
2: Well, I mean, I think that's an assumption. I think we can assume that he has been having it for a while.
0: I don't well, think it I, just manifested out of nowhere. I. Well, and see, and I. I well, I, I. What I would throw back at you is I, I. I think that the fact that we start the movie where we do, with him. Levitating, They can't see me. I'm using air quotes here. Um, You know, we're close to, like, the show's close to opening. There's previews going on. Like, part of me wonder, like, part of me absolutely thinks that that could be the first time that he's having these hallucinations because of where he is in his life. Now, if you want to assume that this has been going on for a while, I don't think that that's wrong. I just, that's not how I see it. I think that we, we happen to catch him at this moment because... This is like it's finally reached this point where he can't fucking take it anymore, and it's coming out in a way where he's now having these conversations with essentially his his alter ego. But yeah, I sorry. mean,
2: there's 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 the delusions of grandeur in there, which manifest itself as the Birdman
0: character. Oh, totally, totally. But 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 about the the end. So so the ending. So he he switches the gun. And I and again I think we're meant to believe that he is trying to kill himself on stage, as the character does in the play. Um, No, he definitely he he definitely does. Yeah, which he which he fucks up, and he 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 shoots off his nose instead. Um, but becomes this like, kind of becomes this like sensation, like wow, how she calls it super realism, the the idea that he he shed real blood on the stage. Which again, how can you not how can you not call that pretentious? I, I think that sounds like something a critic would write. Yeah, I don't think it's pretentious. Uh, a, a,
2: a pretentious critic.
0: Well, sure, well, fine. Um, and then and then obviously like Galavanaxis is, is kind of thrilled, and like Emma Stone comes in, and and we, we get this last moment where Keaton goes into the the bathroom and he takes off the bandage and he sees again he sees the Birdman character there, and he goes out the window and he jumps. Well, the nose. Stop on the. I think that's a great comment
2: about plastic surgery. In that industry,
0: oh yeah. Well, I was. I, I he says we we'll get him a new nose. I get him a new nose every night, or whatever Galfinaga says. I, <laughs> um, but like, the, but the actual the actual ending of the film, where Emma Stone looks down and then looks up and smiles. Like, what are what do you make of that moment? I'm
2: gonna paint with some pretty broad strokes. I mean, she is, for all intents and purposes, a recovering drug addict. Yeah so i'm i'm gonna I'm gonna play this thing very literal i mean she she she's seen that her dad is he's dead he's lying there on the sidewalk he's killed himself i mean he's free he's free of all the bullshit i think she i mean yeah of course in a in a moment or two you know the sadness the reality of it is probably gonna hit her of what's happened but in that moment
0: her dad's free yeah i i and i'll be honest i don't know that i have a solid answer to the question i i think i land somewhere close to that um i and i trust me i went down some wormholes reading about the ending and and theories about what yeah there's some real bullshit out there (laughs) Uh, there's
2: some people with too much fucking time on their
0: hands i'll tell you that much that's fair that's fair um and 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 you know part of me thinks it's a, it's a, it's a combination of this idea yes yes she, she is a recovering addict and also that um but the idea that that she's been referred to as a special girl throughout and that maybe maybe she can see something or sense something which i think goes hand in hand with this idea of of her father being free now from the 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 mountain of 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 anxiety that was weighing on him throughout the last couple of days of trying to put this show up so, um, and
2: I love their last moments together. The shot of of her laying on his chest is
0: so touching. It's
2: very, it's very, very
0: moving. Yeah, I, I, and I and do really I, love I, that I, shot. I love the I love the father daughter stuff when they when they. Oh, it's all great they clicked kind of later in his dressing room. I I really like that. Well, there's,
2: there's also, Oh, the scene, we didn't even talk about that where she's doing the rehab thing and doing all the hash marks are 10,000 years. Yeah. And this little square is how long people have been around and he wipes his mouth with it, which is just fantastic. Yeah. yeah. The the actual, the actual father daughter stuff where he smells the pot and he instantly becomes dad. That's so great that well, that is some of the best work I think Keaton's ever done is in that moment,
0: oh no it's it, it it's same for her. I think that's a great scene for them, and well, and like I just she, said
2: she she won the Oscar for the wrong movie, and yeah, that yeah. scene specifically is the
0: reason why um but there's something too about like especially when you kind of hear hear the stories later, it's like, man, Keaton's getting so pissed about this and and becoming a dad, but it's like it's like, do you have any right to be a dad now, yeah. Absolutely. And and, and and again, and I, this movie does try to cover a, a lot. And I think maybe that might be one of its weakest points is that there is so much it's trying to say. And again, I, I honestly think that's one of inner weakest things. I think he's trying to say too much in his films. Um, for well, Amores
2: a Morris Peros is definitely guilty of that. Yeah. No, I th- but I, I put, I, I put they, that down. I put that down to a first feature. And again, we'll, we'll deal with
0: that next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're we're getting kind of late in the episode, and I I I want to ask you a question. Do it, Ian. Sorry, I know I've asked you I've asked you a lot of no. questions. Well, no, this is we're just kind of switching roles here. If a like Ian, do you love lists? I love lists. I, I love lists too. That's right, and I love lamp. <laughs> and uh, and so I I I I texted you a couple of days ago. I was like, hey, do you have an alternative list for, um, for the pod? And you were like, no, not yet. I was like, well. I think we should do our I think we should give our lists. I think we should give our top five films of twenty fourteen. Let's do it. And and the reason I I thought it would be applicable is because number five for me is Birdman. Oh man, Birdman wasn't even on my
2: radar when I was making my top (laughs) ten. Well, I I feel bad for you. I I know it's all right. Uh so I was so tempted to rewrite history but I will not. I will be honest, I will give you my top 5 as I made it in February of 2015 and then oh. I will tell you I will tell you some of the changes that I would make now.
0: I I lost my list. I don't know where that is. So I oh, this okay. is so I list.
2: I have my original. I have my original from as I said February 2015 and at the time number 5 for me was Nightcrawler. Okay. Nightcrawler would be higher now. Nightcrawler would actually be number two. That it it currently is my number two. Fantastic. What's your number four? Boyhood. Excellent. Uh, my you? number my number four is a most violent year.
0: Okay, we, and we we've already discussed. I haven't the, seen this. Very sorry. Yep. Yep. <laughs> there you go. My number three uh, may piss you off. I don't know, but I cannot. I cannot. Edge of tomorrow. Really. Yeah. Wow.
2: I'm floored by that. I
0: fucking Edge, dig Edge of, that.
2: Edge of Tomorrow is a really good movie until it's not. And that's about 20 minutes from the end. That movie just, I was like, oh God, here we go.
0: Nah, I like it. I like it. I'm in. That
2: that movie gave up and so did I. <laughs> uh, my number three is Calvary.
0: Oh, uh, yep. Another movie I haven't seen, but it's all, Which, it's very high on my radar. Please do. I cannot okay. wait to talk to you about that movie. Yeah.
2: Uh, t- my number two is Nightcrawler, which we said. Uh, my number two at the time was Gone Girl. It would actually change now. It would be I think it would be number four. Okay. So Night Nightcrawler would go up and Gone Girl would go down.
0: I, I most violent have...
2: most most violent year would go to number five, Gone Girl would be yeah. I assume we have the same number one better be whiplash
0: yeah okay good good, otherwise
2: you can get the fuck out of here
0: I did I also I did I didn't want to talk about it but I did I rewatched that uh Wednesday night oh my god
2: I just I just got Liz got me the 4k and I can't wait to to watch it in the highest possible definition it is so god it's so fucking good it's perfect it's perfect Oh man! I, you know what? I'm again. I'm projecting. My feeling is that the way that I reacted to Whiplash when it came out is probably how people reacted to Rocky in 1976. It is the Rocky of jazz drumming films.
0: I mean, I, I, I vividly remember watching this for the first time, and when, when J.K. Simmons says, "I know it was you," and, and oh, he does, he does. So good. I, my mouth was open for like two minutes. And then he walks off stage, and then when he walks back on, I was like, my hands went up like this. I was like, wait, what? And when he starts playing, dude, the first time I saw it, I could not sit down until the credits started rolling. I was, did you I, did
2: did you see it in a the theater? No, no, I saw it at home. Oh, that's a shit. I gotta tell you, it's again. I love these moments because they happen so rarely. Packed fucking house. Nice. Guild forty fifth. Guild forty fifth on Wallingford. Opening weekend at the I I miss that theater so much. What's happened to indie theaters in this in this city is, oh, it breaks my heart. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you that sequence, that final drumming sequence. I swear to God, the air sucked out of the room and nobody was breathing. You could hear a fucking pin drop. It was. It's honestly, it's like a coming to God moment for everybody in that room. I, I've i had so few experiences like that in the theater and I, I miss them. I miss them so much. It's, it was perfect. It was fucking perfection. Well, well I think, you know, where we go from here and, and what my answer to the question, unless I'm sorry, I don't mean to to hijack no. the episode. Do you, do you have any final thoughts? I mean, I talked about unsung hero being Andrea Riseborough. I don't know that you mentioned one.
0: No, I didn't I didn't and I, I, I don't know if, if she's in the movie too much, but I think mine is Naomi Watts. I really I really like Oh no,
2: yeah, hey, that's good, man. That's good. Yeah. I'd also yeah. I would also give the the steady cam guy a shout out. Oh very Chris true. Chris Harhoff. I mean I know cinematography won Yeah but uh, I think the Oscar.
0: That's a good behind the scenes. Yeah, San Chris Kiro for sure. He he nailed it, man. He had a he
2: had a huge he had a mountain of work in front of him and fucking okay. well Big done time. you, sir. Big time.
0: No, you no, know, I think it. I think it is question time, and I think it's time for me to ask my good friend Ian here. Ian, do you think that Birdman should be in the book?
2: No, I do not.
0: <laughs> Unequivocally. Gotcha. Okay. Well, here's so I. I do. I do think it should be. So now I yield the floor to you. I. I have three replacements. <laughs> Okay, well, you're gonna have to pick one. I'm gonna
2: have to pick one. Thus, but,
0: thus are the rules of the pod.
2: Uh, my three replacements: Nightcrawler, Whiplash, uh-huh, or 1917, because 1917 is not going into the new edition of the
0: book, and that pisses me off to no end. So I don't. This is one of those things where I don't know how. I don't know how to help you, because not that it couldn't be. I, Nightcrawler was a recommend of yours um before
2: so um, i think i think we can remove nightcrawler that's fine so it comes down to whiplash or 1917 but and i, I go 1917 because of the one shot angle there well here and, the and i go whiplash for the 2014 angle because whiplash was just the best movie of 2014 and that's not debatable on this or any show.
0: <laughs> Buddy, it's your choice, but I think you know where my heart goes on that one. But at the end of the day, it's
2: your call. I will concede Whiplash is is the official replacement. Though I will find a way to get 1917 in this book if it's the last goddamn thing I do.
0: Oh, I, you will. You will. And again, it's I, I hate having that conversation with you because I, I really did enjoy 1917. Like, it's perfection. Perfect. Infection. It's it's not though. It's very close. Um, oh, it fucking is though. <laughs> uh but so there you go. It's it's a yes from me, it's a no from Ian, but as always, we want to know what you think. Did you like Birdman? Did you hate Birdman? Do you like Inoritu? Any of those, we want to hear from you. So please find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Hit us up. If you're listening, you're probably listening on Spotify or Stitcher or Google Play or Apple Podcasts or somebody somewhere else. You know, we're, we're everywhere these days. Uh, so please like us, subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. You can support the show at a thousand one by one or patreon.com slash thousand one um, by one. And again, the in your To conversation has just started. We are going to do the definitive in your read to ranking next week all six films we'll talk a little bit about him his collaborators and we will give you the ranking of what we think are his best but until then i am adam and i am Ian, and we will see you next week